Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for following Jesus. If we haven't met yet, my name is Tony, and I'm your host. With over a decade in the local church, I care deeply and passionately about helping you connect with Jesus in practical ways. Today on the podcast, fellow disciple maker and navigator, Alice Matagora. Now, Alice and I were introduced through some mutual friends, and one of the things I know about her is that she loves disciple making, and that is something that I care deeply and passionately about. Her latest book is all about what it means to change the world through disciple making. I know you're absolutely going to love this conversation. And if you do, do me a favor, share this episode with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know um, has a heart for disciple making or wants to learn more about it. It's an incredible opportunity to invite someone into a disciple making relationship. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And now without any further ado, here's my conversation with Alice Matagora. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have a friend of so many of my friends, Alice, with me today. Alice, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's so good to finally connect with you, Tony. Uh, So you've been with the Navigators for how long? I've been with the Navigators since 2005 on staff with them. Before that, I I had met them when I was in college. And so I'm sure my podcast family knows the Navs from talking about my relationship with Justin Gravit and, of course, all the ministry that the Navigators do. But if you could kind of give like an overview of what your work with the Navigators is, how would you describe Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, well, I would say right now in this season of my contribution with the Navigators, I work in leader development. So I develop leaders all over internationally in the Navigator work to better lead their people towards our Navigator calling, which is advancing God's kingdom through disciple making. One person investing in another person, investing in another person, on and on to the end of time. Amen. Now, I'm always curious, how would you describe the calling for Alice? Like, what's your personal calling? If you had a, a personal mission statement, or how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Well, um, I think that it comes straight from Isaiah 55. This has been like the the calling that the Lord has given me from when I was a student, and I was scared to like evangelize till... I was like going on staff and like I was scared to, you know, fundraise and all that to just different seasons in my life. God always brings me back to this calling, which is Isaiah 55, 5. Surely you will summon nations you know not, nations that do not know you will hasten to you for the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel has endowed you with splendor. Now, I love that verse because it's not about me. It's mm. not about my skill, my talent. It's not about how much knowledge I have. It is simply God's goodness to me that will draw others to him through me. So like, if that's all I have, if, I, if that's all I have is God's goodness on my life, then I'm set, you know? So so that's kind of been my, my calling verse and what propels me into this disciple making. I might not have the education or the skills or whatever, but I have God's goodness on my life and he has been so good to me and it's shown. So I love that. I, I think that there's probably a lot of people listening who are like, man, I, I want, I want to know that God's goodness is on my life. How, how do we, how do we practice that on a random Tuesday in June? <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, I think 
gratitude, the practice of gratitude, remembering and remaining. I mean, if you think all throughout the scriptures, God's command for his people has been to remember, remember his goodness in their lives, remember all of the blessings and and to practice gratitude to the Lord, but then also remaining in his word, remaining in uh, the vine, remaining, staying connected Mm. to the source of all good things. I I think that's when I am most aware, like God's goodness is on my life all the time. It's whether or not I am aware of his goodness, right? Because I could just easily go through my day without giving a second thought to like God's kindness to me. I'm just like, I wipe butts all day. I chase toddlers that are intent on wiping their noses on furniture and stuff, you know, (laughs) and I can easily miss the goodness of God if I don't just stop to remain and to remember with the Lord. One of the things we talk about here a lot is our daily disciplines. We say that if you're not if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. Ooh, oh my goodness. Wow, it's good. And so I always love to ask people who I feel like are drenched in the word, and you clearly are. How how do you stay disciplined in your time with the Lord? Well, I found um, there are seasons where I just go deep, deep, deep into a few passages. Like when I was, uh, so I have a, I have a almost four year old and a one and a half year old. So on maternity leave, when I can barely think and everything is cloudy and foggy, it's just a few passages that I go back to over and over and over. But um, otherwise, I really try to discipline myself to read through the entire Bible at least once every two years. And I found that reading with others and having a Bible reading plan gives me enough structure and accountability to do it. So mm. I'm actually, I'm only one day behind right now. Um, I'm, I'm in uh, Proverbs right now, and and I'm only one day behind. So I'm counting that a win. That's a huge victory. Yeah. And, and I'm curious if, if you could talk to the mom that or dad who maybe has the young kids and mm-hmm. uh, aren't quite as used to that discipline and rhythm. Um how do you know when the right time is to give grace versus give encouragement on where you should be in terms of your daily disciplines? Oh my goodness. Well, I've been reading this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is mm. so gosh darn dang good. It is blowing my mind right now. And they talk about like, well, how much time are you giving to just mindlessly scrolling on your phone and going down information rabbit trails? And I'm kind of embarrassed what every week when that, like you have spent this much time on your screen in the past week, like uh, daily, your daily average is this like, Oh man, that's a lot of wasted time. Like that's so much wasted time, a few hours a day that I could easily just as easily be like spending not distracted on my phone, not just mindlessly going about my day, but, um, but spending with God or, or present with my children. So that's been kind of a check for me. Mm. Uh, so that's something I would press into is like, well, how much time, like, where's your time going these days for, for the mom or the dad, who's just kind of on survival mode. Um, Where's your time going to? Uh, and is it going to the best things? Because the best thing we can do as parents who are leading young ones, who are embodying um, the, the father, mother heart of God uh, to to our children is to be close to our heavenly father, you know? Uh, and, and so that's where I would kind of push in, you know, it, it is, is gauging where the time is spent, how much actual time are we spending um, on 
non-important other things and, and disciplining ourselves to giving that to the Lord. I mean, we all got, we all have that time, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've done enough uh, stalking of you on the internet now yeah. to know <laughs> that your family is absolutely adorable. So oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> keep, keep coming with all those um, beautiful photos of your fam. Uh, I love thank to you. steal ideas from people. And so mm-hmm. anything that you guys are doing now for family devotionals, my kids are a lot older now, and but I'm, I'm always curious, like, do you guys have any normal rhythms for keeping your kids engaged in the word? I mean, obviously four and one, right? Like, you know what you're going to mm-hmm. get, but any practices that you're like, I love this, or this is where we're heading into or anything that somebody could steal from you. Yeah. Well, we have really enjoyed, oh no, I'm not going to remember her name. Sally Lloyd Weber, I think is that her name? Uh, we have really enjoyed her children's books. Like she has one called, uh, found, which is based on Psalm 23. Mm. And then she has one called loved, which is based on, um, uh, the Lord's prayer and, She just came out with a new one called Near, which is based on Psalm 139. And those are some of our absolute favorites. We read them almost every single day with our kids. With the four-year-old, he's getting to more advanced, uh, like, concepts. So so he has his, like, fuzzy – it's also a Sally Lloyd – I think Weber. Oh gosh, I really hope that's what he. I'll, I'll check um, it. I'll check it, and we'll yeah. put it in the show notes either way. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's called. It's fuzzy, like a sheep, and it's it's called a hug a Bible, and so he'll just like grab it, and he sees his dad and his mom reading the Bible every morning, and so he'll be like, "I have my Bible. I'm just reading my Bible," even though he can't read, but he'll sit on his little armchair too, because dad sits on his armchair and he'll read his hug a Bible. So we try to get in there, read different stories. Um, from time to time. And then every night we pray the same prayer that God would give mom and dad wisdom and patience in raising Reggie and Clementine to be people who seek justice, who love mercy and walk humbly all the days of their lives with him. So those are some of our daily rhythms. Wow. Um, just out of curiosity, this is a tangent. I, are you, uh, have you fully devoted yourself to the navigator's uh, Bible memory verse, topical memory verse process. Are you deep into that? <laughs> okay. This is a full, true confession. I'm not a great navigator. I've only made it through the D pack. So okay. I think that there's like F number of packs and I, I've only made it for sure through D. I was way more disciplined as a college student, I, but <laughs> I memorized children's books all the time just by reading them to the kids. So I know I have it in me to do it. That's That's been a, one of those disciplines that I'm like, I got to get back into it. I just got to get back into it. Uh, true confession, Justin, uh-huh. our mutual friend, he was like, yes. Tony, you got to memorize scripture. You got to memorize scripture. And I always took the approach that if God wanted me to memorize it, he would just implant it on my heart. <laughs> and uh-huh. it, it was always a big pushback. But since starting that process of memorizing scripture, it's been a drastic change. How do you know when you need to lean into memorizing scripture as a discipline in your life? Like, is there an indicator? Do you have like a check engine light, so to speak? Mm, Gosh. You know, I think when (laughs) I think it's those moments when I memorize more children's books than Mm. scripture that the Lord's like, Maybe we got to check your like priorities. Like it's good. <laughs> the children's books are good. Sure, Pop sure, Fish is sure. good. But and but my word might be better to have in your heart and your memory. So I think that's always like it, that's always kind of an indicator to me that if I can do it this 
way, then I can then I can definitely be devoting more time to scripture memory. I interviewed somebody for the podcast the other day who said um, they've almost got all of Philippians memorized. Nice. And I felt Solid. super convicted. <laughs> yeah, right? Do you yeah, what's your check engine like? Uh no, for me, it's typically when I know that there's a scripture that I should know that I want to share. When when I have like, I'm like, oh, there's, I want to share this thing for this person. Like God's like, put it on my heart and I can't mm-hmm. get it out all the way. Yep. That's typically yep. when I'm like, come on, Tony, be better. You know what I mean? Yes. Sort of like. You're better than this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I want to get into your latest resource, uh, How to Save the World and, and kind of this idea about disciple making. Before we jump into all of that, I, I love to hear how you were first discipled, the story of like this process of how you got uh, brought into this culture that for many people is very foreign than what we experience in a lot of North American churches. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, okay, so, oh my goodness, you're going to get the whole origin story. I love it. At the Alice origin story. (laughs) So um, when I went away to college, I wanted, I I just, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I needed. And so I went to a fellowship where I felt really comfortable uh, and I had community. And so I went to a fellowship that had these huge emotional experiences, like worshipful and like revivals and stuff. It was actually later investigated as being a cult. But uh, but I remember feeling so close to God in the moment during these revivals. But then going back to my dorm room at night and feeling so, so distant. Like, I don't know God any better. I don't even know who he is. So at that point I had my salvation. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with God. Hmm. Now at that time I was wrestling with uh, an eating disorder, anorexia, and I ended up going home for treatment because I think I just didn't have deep roots. I didn't have deep enough roots. Um, And so I ended up going home for treatment when it came time for me to go back to school. Um, I ended up transferring to a college that was closer by where my family lived. And I think going in this time, I, I like I, I had a better idea of what I needed to grow. Uh, and and so I sought out the least sexy appealing group on campus, which is the Navigators. <laughs> they just like well, they just were known for going deep in the word. And I, I think I knew at that point. I just need the word. I just need to know God. I don't know God. I just need to know God. And I didn't know that they were a disciple making ministry at that time. So I hung around and these people, they were so real. You know, they, they, like I grew up in the Chinese Christian, um, church, you know, and and it can be more performative, more legalistic. There's a lot of like honor, shame, uh, aspects there where it's like you kind of fall in line because otherwise the church aunties will gossip about you and stuff for being the bad kid. So um, I, I knew a lot about performative religion, but I didn't have a relationship with God. And these people, they were so real. They struggled and they were honest about their sins and the brothers weren't creepy. They like genuinely treated the sisters like sisters instead of like a Christian meat market, you know? And and, um, so I gleaned a lot from, from just watching people and how much they love the word. They tried to memorize it. That's so weird. Why would they want to memorize it? But okay, I guess I'm going to try to memorize it. And um, so at that time, me and my roommate, we were, we joined at about the same time as she was being discipled. I wasn't, and she learned so much. She grew exponentially in her relationship with God in ways that I couldn't on my own. Like God had like done this amazing work of growing 
me and my confidence and freeing me. But, but it was only, I could only do it so much on my own. I needed somebody else's help. And so then I asked this girl, Jane, to disciple me and, it just, the growth became exponential. There was like the blind leading the blind, me leading myself, and then somebody else coming alongside, even just a couple steps further in her walk with Jesus. And like Jesus did this incredible work of freeing me uh, from so many different things in that season, just from knowing him, like my eating disorder, I was entrenched and binging, restricting, purging. I had so much credit card debt because I thought that that would make me feel better. Uh, I was in an unhealthy dating relationship. All these things that after walking with Jesus and having a real relationship with him, he just freed me from, not of my own effort, but as a byproduct of me knowing him more. And so then I'm like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on disciple making. Like, did you know that you can really know Jesus? Do you know that you can help people know Jesus? You know, so that, that's how I caught the vision for disciple making. Super long story, context, back origin story of Alice. I, so I'm, I'm curious, right? Because um, I was already married when I caught the vision of disciple making Mm -hmm. Um, and so it sounded like in your origin story, you weren't quite there yet. How does this intertwine with your happily ever after marriage with your husband? Well, I actually, I came on staff as a single woman. I didn't even know my husband then. He's actually younger than me. We, uh, I was the staff that dated a student, which was like super illegal, but we, we waited until we asked for permission and, and we, we, waited until we had the favor of our leaders uh, before we started dating. But, uh, you know, I think I was the, the relationship I was in before um, the guy, he didn't move. Oh, gosh, this might be <laughs> if anybody. Mm, okay. You know, I, I, I won't say that about, but, uh, but RJ, um, I think it just helped so much knowing yeah. that he had his own personal relationship with Jesus and that he had a mentor who was, he had somebody who was discipling him in these ways. Like, so I mentioned I'm older than RJ. And so his discipler, one kind of gave him the push like, well, why wouldn't you initiate with her? Like, if you're interested in her, why wouldn't you initiate with her? But then also later when it became more serious, it's like, wait, she's like in her staff career She's thinking about making this her full-time thing, uh, and she's older. She's not messing around, so you can't be messing around. So you better be seriously thinking about like a future with this girl if um, if if you want to pursue her. I, I think that kind of um, discipleship was helpful for us. Um, I think that mentoring for him uh, in, in, in helping him have a, a right perspective in dating me, and then it's just only helped us that we have both have our walks with Jesus. God is speaking to each of us individually. And then uh, we are committed together to this calling of disciple making. Like we both want to be making disciples of those around us. And we also want to be making disciples of our children as well. So we're both on the same page with that, which is really cool. And then I find that the Holy spirit never divides against itself. Mm. Uh, and, and and so that's kind of been, you know, whenever we're in these seasons of spiritual discernment and leading, like at seeking God for his leading, um, if, if we're in disagreement, then then we got to go back to seek God because like, I don't know, maybe there's some secret ulterior motive or something, something that's kind of keeping us in disagreement, but it's, it can't, the spirit, I don't, I don't think the spirit disagrees against itself and the spirit lives in both of us. So yeah. Amen. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. 
And I always appreciate a good love story. I just feel like it's so good. Hey, guys, just pausing this conversation with Alice to remind you to check out our brand new website, follow the number two leadcoaching.com. Follow the lead coaching is all about walking alongside Christian leaders and helping them lead boldly. I love, love, love working with people who are trying to figure out what's the balance between the identity that they share in Christ and what it means to lead others in a secular way. And at the end of the day, we want to bring Jesus into the workplace in a way that's respectful and receptive, and it's an opportunity for all of us to share our faith. So if you're a leader of other people and you want to lean into what it means to follow Jesus, then this is the time. Go to follow the number two leadcoaching.com and learn more. Set up a free call with me today. I'd love to meet with you and hear your mission, mission, vision, and values. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Alice. I, I am kind of curious that the college culture of um, disciple making seems to 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 really be fruitful in the sense of like I hear about college ministries from whether it's the NAVs or Crew or AIA or all, all those you know parachurch organizations that seem to just absolutely get it and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce. And yet, when it comes to the North American church and mm-hmm. and really your data reinforces all of this. Like it's such a struggle to get people to buy into disciple making. What's Mm -hmm. the, what's the tension there um, from, you know, you having seen both sides of it, where do you feel like the rub is? Hmm. You know, I, what I'm, what the research showed is that there's really a lack of familiarity with the concept of discipling and disciple making in the way that I think you and I think about it, like disciple making one person investing their life in another, investing their life in another and so on, you know, kind of like Jesus command before he leaves the earth to his disciples, go make disciples of all nations. Um, Just that's, that's God's plan for advancing his gospel and his kingdom to the ends of the earth. Now, the data, this is like the one data point that I think strikes me the most. When asked, when, when Christians were asked who were surveyed by this Barna research, um, but whether they believed that discipleship was um, like, it was their responsibility as Christians to make disciples, 80% said no. That's kind of concerning at one, you know, uh, just taking a quick look at it. That's that's kind of concerning. 80% of Christians do not believe it's their responsibility to make disciples, even though Matthew 28 clearly says, go make disciples of all nations. But then when rephrased to like, do you believe it's your responsibility to pass on what you know about the spiritual life to somebody else? 81% said, yes, I do believe that that is our responsibility. So that makes me think that there's a lack of familiarity with this idea, this concept of disciple making, maybe just terms. I would even guess that more people are uh, are discipling than then they realize, you know, yeah. that they don't know the term like disciple making. That sounds like super professional, like a pastor should be doing it or somebody who was in full time ministry. Not me. I'm just an everyday Joe. And um, I don't. But but they could very well be doing it as they're like reading the Bible with those in their circles like that. That's discipleship. Um, so so that's what I would say um, is this main mainstream like in in the church um in the in the north american church i think that people 
aren't sure what it is. Maybe they're not seeing it. Or maybe they're not, it's not being explicitly said that this is something that you replicate. Like maybe the pastor is meeting with their people, um, but like it's more seen as this is the pastor's job rather than framed as this is a responsibility for all believers of Jesus to do um, with those in their lives. I think in college, it's easier. I think this is what makes it so easy is that if you're in a disciple making ministry and everybody around you is making disciples and it just is, it's the culture, the cult, you have a disciple making culture, everybody's making disciples. And there are younger Christians there that you can invest in and there are people in your circles that are open um, at, because college is a time when people are most open to new ideas, you know, mm. at, like just new philosophies. I, I think you're, you're at a, a learning facility and so you're naturally more open. So I think there's more of an openness to Jesus and to reading the Bible in a college setting than maybe in an everyday work setting. So that that's kind of where I see the difference is this disciple making culture in the groups that that um, that these college students are in and then a lack of familiarity in, in the mainstream church around this idea of discipleship and the simplicity of it, the, the true simplicity of discipleship. Yeah, some, sometimes I actually wonder if the construct of the North American church polity isn't a barrier to actual disciple making in the church. Because mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. if what we, you know, if what gets, you know, what we're rewarded gets repeated, we, yes, we often yeah. reward attendance far more than we ever, uh, you know, disciple making. How, how do you yeah. live in that tension in your local church, right? Like, I mean, you're obviously a leader in the NAVs and you're, um, you know, you're a thought leader on disciple making, you know, all over the US and probably mm-hmm. beyond. How do you live in that tension when you guys are looking at a church to call home? Mm-hmm. You know, our church, oh, I love that. I mean, what drew us to our church is their heartbeat on discipleship and disciple making. Mm-hmm. They exist to make disciples of Jesus wherever they're at. Church is more than just on Sunday. It's like throughout the week and what we do as followers of Jesus throughout the week. And, and I think that that's really that was really important for RJ and I to join a church that is aligned with our heart and our vision of disciple making. And so our pastor always says, we're, not, we're never going to be like a huge church and that's okay. Like we don't want to be like, we want to be spread out as followers of Jesus spread out and among, uh, like, we don't want to just have like all of our people, like our own big Christian bubble and just collect and collect and collect and protect from like the evils of the world around us. But we, we want to be in and among the world. And so church happens just as much outside of, um, outside of the church buildings as it is in And then I think just also um, like what we share and model um, just in in our own lives. Like we see the pastor. I mean, he he's like I just saw him at a coffee shop a couple year uh, a couple months ago. Uh, no, oh my gosh, I'm like getting my days mixed up. A couple weeks ago, and he was just meeting with somebody who he who's discipled him, who is discipling mm. him, and so it's like he's being discipled. The pastor's being discipled, and so we talk about discipleship from the pulpit, and and I just think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that common language and how it creates common movement and that sort of thing all kind of goes hand in glove together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask about your relationship with the research. You've, you've got this beautiful piece of writing, and um, it's really it's backed by a ton of research from Barna and the Navs. Yeah. Um, how how did how was it for you to kind of um, in my head? It looked like 
somebody came to you and was like, Alice, here's all this research. We want you to put handles on it and make it congestible, you know, consumable for the everyday person. What was your relationship like with the, the data? I mean, that's basically how it went down. <laughs> uh, it was like, yeah. Um, so the publisher, the now publisher at Nav Press said, yeah, the navigators, um, we, they, um, they hired Barna to conduct this research on the state of disciple making in the American church. And they want to write a book to go along with this research. And so we're looking for an author who kind of can nerd out on the research a little bit, but also like, like share it in a really uh, compelling way. And so I'm like, I like to nerd out on stuff. And I think I can like consolidate the research in a pretty like decent way. So um, yeah, I just poured myself over there. I have all the pages like printed out because it's just different printing it out in paper versus looking at it digitally, I can scribble all over it, but looking for connections and themes uh, between the research and the state of disciple making. So the navigators, we have the five traits of a disciple maker, uh, like just kind of five qualities that we see in people who are likely to be disciple makers or become disciple makers. And one, it's like the passion to know Jesus. So Jesus, there's a love for the word, there's uh, prayer, there's community, and then there's a heart for generations. And so the research dug deeper into each of these five traits separately to kind of see where, um, see how each of those traits may be influencing the overall bigger beast of disciple making in the American church. And so it was really, really interesting to find connections from these individual pieces and how it might be impacting uh, the, our, our current reality of disciple making. So I think the research said that overall only 30% of American Christians are making disciples. Only 20% of American Christians have been discipled. So mm. I think that's a key piece of research. You, it's hard to pass on what you haven't experienced, right? So if only 20% of, of American Christians have been discipled, then it makes sense that only 30% are discipling, right? It's maybe the 20% and then a few others who have caught the vision along the way. Uh, but even things like looking at the word, um, you know, when asked, like, do they spend time, regular time with Jesus? It's like, yes, they do. And that's awesome. They, they want to spend time with Jesus. But then it's like when asked how often they spend time their own time alone in the word with Jesus. It was like very few um, in the, in the past couple of weeks. And I just think being in the word, it's impossible uh, to miss God's heart for generations, for spiritual generations mm. when you're in God's word. So if you're not in God's word regularly, I can see how there would be this disconnect where you forget to see generations are on the heart of God. So it, it was just, I feel, have you seen that Charlie Day um, meme where he's got all these like papers on the wall and strings connecting the papers and he's got his like hands to his head, like just full blown conspiracy theorists. Like, I feel like that was me interacting with the data where I had like papers on the wall and just trying to make connections to how it's impacting disciple making. That was my process. I love it. Uh, I, and I, it's, the whole process is really fascinating to me. The data is really fascinating to me. Um, I, I am also curious, what, what did you learn about yourself in the process of consuming that much data about the status of the church and then putting it in to like this very consumable 
package. I mean, it, really, it's mm. disciple making made simple is the, the subtext, right? Um, mm-hmm. What did you learn about you? Gosh, I, man, what did I learn about me? I think just how God really, really does use everyday, ordinary people. Like, I do not come from a Christian home. I do not come with, like, theological, you know, MDivs or anything like that, extra spiritual training. I think it's easy to see me, the snapshot of me now. Um, Like, of course, you would make disciples. You've been a full-time staff for 20 years, but I started in this broken hot mess state of of a person 20 years ago, like, mm. like really depressed, really anxious, um, eating disorders, unhealthy dating relationships, lots of debt. And God captured my heart through making disciples. And then he could even use that girl like me to make disciples. And, and so I just am all the more convinced that God takes the ordinary everyday person who might be a little broken and beat up and and he longs to show his power through them like what could he do through somebody who is just willing to follow and obey in in this area I, I just feel like I'm the poster child for like God can use anybody like literally he can use <laughs> anybody with like any past because because the fact that he can use me is just bananas to me yeah, I get that. I, I often feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, as this book is now in the wilderness, it's it's fully mm-hmm. out there. Uh, what's your prayer for this thing as it you know continues to get its own legs and grows and you're speaking on all these stages and you were recently at discipleship.org and everyone's talking about uh, uh, what God's doing in and through the book. Uh, what's your yeah. prayer for when somebody picks it up? Oh, I just pray that they capture the vision that like whoever, whoever they are, wherever they're at, whatever's in their story, whatever they're walking through, God can use them right now. God can Mm. use them right now. If only they'd open their eyes to see the people around them that only they can reach, right? That only they are able to impact those people. There are people around them in their circles that may never step foot in the doors of a church, but they can know Jesus because they know this person who knows Jesus. And so my hope is really that, I don't know, the the barista or the corporate executive or like, you know, the the stay-at-home dad or soccer mom or whatever, anybody, anybody can see like, okay, do I have a relationship with God? Yes, then I am qualified and I can do this disciple making thing. I hope it, uh, my prayer is that it would reignite and get disciple making back to the forefront of our collective American Christianity, because I, I just think where churches may fail and, and I pray it, it, they don't, but like, but God, it's, it's always been about God's people. It's always yeah. been about God's people and, and his people carrying the movement of his gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I love that, that the church was never really meant to be a, bu- a building. It's always meant to be the people. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Um, okay, I have one more question for you. It's okay. um, But before I ask it, I know that my podcast fam is going to want to figure out 
uh, where to connect with you all over the interwebs. So okay. where can they learn more about you and what God's doing in and through your ministry? Um, if they want to support you via the navigators, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Give us all mm-hmm. the deets. All right. So I think you can find uh, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. The handle is Alice Matagora, M-A-T-A-G-O-R-A. My website is alicematagora.com. Pretty easy. And I think that you can get connected to our nav page um, via the website. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure. I need to go check that you website are, You out. can. I checked already. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, I did. Okay, great. You <laughs> doing your research. Look at that. Yeah. So that's how you can find me. Good, 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 good. And we'll link to all that in the show notes, of course. Um, okay. Last question I love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you to go back in time and give mm. yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Oh, okay. Okay. So I want to take you um, to the evening after your very first NAVS meeting uh-huh. at your college. You're a brand new student there. You you pick, as you said, the less the least sexiest group there was. You go to your first meeting. You come back from that meeting. If you were to pull uh-huh. up a chair and sit knee to knee with that younger version of yourself, hold mm-hmm. her hand and look her in the eye. What's the one thing that you're going to ask? Tell her. Oh my gosh, that's so freaking good. That's a great question. <sighs> I think I would say you don't know what you don't know. So, mm-hmm. sister, leave your heart open to what God might want to say to you. Yeah, that's beautiful. just leave your leave your heart open. You don't know what you don't know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, Alice, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your yeah. heart for disciple making and this resource into the world. I, I deeply appreciate it. And uh, one other bonus question is, was mm-hmm. this a two book deal with NAF Press? No, no, I think that this is what oh my god. So I wrote this book while I had a toddler who's crazy. He's very active and I was pregnant. So I, I, I don't know how it happened. The, the spirit of the Lord. But yeah, I, this is a one one and done. I think maybe I'll write a book in the future. But for now, I, there's nothing on the horizon that I know of. Well, right on. Well, just know that you always got a place here if you ever want to come back and chat some more about disciple making or what God's doing. I really appreciate our time today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate it too. I told you guys, what a great conversation with Alice. I absolutely love the way that she connects with people at a very individual level and how her approach to disciple making and how Jesus' approach to disciple making can change the world. Do me a favor, pick up a copy of her book and make sure you share this episode with a friend, maybe somebody who you know um, is ready to take the next step in their relationship with Jesus. Guys, as always, I'm so thankful for you and for the opportunity to connect with you. It's an absolute pleasure to do this work, and it only works because of you and the way you listen and share. So until next time, remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.